Come Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our hearts that we might see Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. in his epistle to the Romans is driving home the message of justification by faith through grace. It is the doctrine upon which everything hinges, according to Martin Luther. It is the doctrine on which the church uh, either stands on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ or we get washed away by the tides of life. So important that Paul dedicates a lot of time uh, to this message of justification by faith through grace. And it's a message we hear a lot around here at the Advent from the pulpit. It's easy to take for granted. And it's even easier to misunderstand it. I mean, the word faith... And we all talk about faith. If you listen to any of our services as you're praying or as you're hearing the words of the minister, you hear the word faith brought up a lot. But if someone walked up to you on the street and asked, what is faith? How would you respond? Now, I've actually been doing this the past two weeks. I've been going around and asking people, uh, what is faith? Uh, some of the answers uh, I received were pretty interesting. Uh, one had, you know, a couple people articulated this idea of faith as wishful thinking. Uh, one person even went so far as to say, you know, it's like George Michael. you got to have faith. Uh, a religious feeling, something that wells up within you when you might be in church or whether you might be uh, in some context that you feel... Uh, warm and you feel fuzzy inside, uh, or it may be the power of positive thinking, a conjuring up of confidence, reaching down deep inside and trying to produce enough faith so that you might believe. Well, the Bible has a different idea of what faith is. Our text this morning begins with the word, therefore. Well, the What has Paul said before he gets to the therefore? Well, he's been talking about Abraham, the great patriarch who lived in Ur of the Chaldees, and God called him out of that place to a promised land and said, I will make you the father of many generations, so numerous as the stars in the sky. Just follow me. And so Abraham, we find out in Romans chapter 4, believed in God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. He was justified by faith. In chapter 3, we read that we are justified by Jesus' grace as a gift through the redemption in him, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Hebrews 11.1 tells us, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So we hear that, one, faith is a gift from God. It's something that God gives to us by the power of his Holy Spirit when he intervenes in our lives and implants it in us. But also the confusion about what this faith is. And if you wanted a shorthand for the word faith, here's one for you. 
Faith means this. Trust, rely, depend. Well, faith is a gift from God. How did Abraham come to faith? What was Abraham doing in Ur when he was called to Canaan? Nothing. He was minding his own business, going about his daily life. What was Paul doing when he was called to faith? Was he actively searching after God? No, in fact, he was on his way to Damascus to kidnap Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem for trial and punishment. Uh, He wasn't seeking for God. In fact, he was actively working against God. So much so that when Paul is knocked off his horse, Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Paul thought he was searching for God. but In fact, he was opposed to God. Abraham was just looking after his day-to-day activities. He wasn't looking for a new adventure or looking for ways in which he might serve God more faithfully. No, he was going his own way. And so it is with people who search for faith in our world today. It's right to say that there is a God-shaped hole in all of us and that we're trying to fill it up with things that are not God. But we should not mistake this for unbelievers searching for God. The biblical testimony is not that we are moving towards God, but that we're running away from him in the opposite direction. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We're not going after God. We're going in the opposite direction. And unless God gives us the gift of faith, we'll never be able to turn and go in the right direction. Tim Keller has a wonderful illustration of a man who is driving his car blindfolded. And he's actually driving toward hell. And you see this happening, and so you speak up and you say, Friend, turn around. Hit the brakes. But your friend says, I'm not going toward hell. I'm going to the beach. I can feel it getting warmer. It's kind of nice and uh, really looking forward to getting there. In fact, I'm trying to get there as fast as I can so that I can really enjoy it. Uh, You can argue to your blue in the face, but until that blindfold is taken off, can they actually see that they're going in the wrong direction? And then what do they do? Immediately, they slam on the brakes and they turn and go in the right direction. That's the word repentance. So faith is instilled in us. God regenerates us. The scales fall off our eyes. We see how we are in our own sin and then are finally able to turn, repent, and move toward the Lord and head in the right direction. The Holy Spirit opens the eyes of our hearts that we might believe. Now, Paul uses very strong language to describe our status before God apart from faith in Jesus Christ. He says that we're weak, sinners, enemies of God, and objects of wrath. Strong. If we are running away from God, if we are in opposition to him, Why and how could he love us? God loves you because of Jesus Christ. He doesn't love you because of your looks, your socioeconomic status, your intelligence, your abilities. But he sees you 
as he sees his son. When you are covered in Jesus' blood, when you take on his righteousness, God sees you as he sees Jesus. That's a gift that he gives us. This gift of faith to trust, rely, and depend. You know, we put our faith in all kinds of things in this world. And I'm not talking about idolatry. I'm talking about something as simple as driving on 2059. Now, if you've noticed, they've started to put chain-link fence underneath of 2059, where all those great parking spots were that you could get for free when you went to a BJCC event. Uh, But now they've taken that away from us. So uh, the mayor's listening. So, uh, well, why, why have they done that? Because it's falling down, right? It's, it's falling down. And yet, do you think about that when you drive over the overpass? No, you, you actually, well, some of you might. Uh, uh, but, um, but most of us, when we go over a bridge, we actually have a pure and simple and very naked trust in the engineer who designed it and the construction crew who built it and that it's not going to fall down when we go over it. And we don't think long and hard about that. We just trust rely and depend that that bridge is going to get us over to the other side. It's the same way with Jesus when he instills faith in our hearts. Sometimes our faith is very small. God nurtures that along the way. But what we find is that as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, we begin to have that same faith in Jesus that's similar to the faith that we have in the overpass. It's second nature. We can't imagine ourselves apart from the Lord Jesus. He's your everything. And you can't think of yourself apart from him. And even if our faith is small, our faith is not rooted in anything in and of ourselves. Because we've already found that we are weak, not strong. But our faith is rooted in God's faithfulness. Our shakable faith is rooted in God's unshakable love for us. And why is he faithful? Not because we are strong, because we are weak. It's not because we are wise, because we are foolish. It's not because we're righteous, but because we're sinners. He loves us because we are his children. You're not just an acquaintance of God when you're drawn to faith in him. You're a child of God by adoption. Paul later on in Romans chapter 8 would say, You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. You're not a child of God. By the will of the flesh or by the will of man, but because God in his infinite mercy has reached down and saved you. Whether you were asking for it or not, God has come and entered into your life and that faith that you now have is a gift from him. In May 1738, the great hymn writer Charles Wesley was thinking on his conversion. And you can get online and read his journals. He was having a crisis of faith, uh, wondering if he believed enough in the Lord Jesus, whether his faith was strong enough, whether his faith was real. And as he thought on his conversion, he wrote these words to the hymn that we will sing at the very end of the service. 
Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Do you have this kind of faith? Do you know the freedom that, John, that Charles Wesley sings of? Or are you still in the dungeon, in bondage? Your identity in something other than the Lord Jesus, clothed in your own ragged righteousness, hoping in your own goodness? Or is your identity in Jesus? Are you clothed in his righteousness, his goodness, and his great love for you? This morning, if you are shackled, instead of trying to find Jesus as if he were the one who was lost, simply cry out for mercy. Cry out for a new start in your life. Cry out to be born again. And the Holy Spirit of God will come and assure you of your salvation, even now. This cry for mercy is rooted in the fact that God has sought you out. He has chased you down. As C.S. Lewis wrote, the hounds of heaven are now nipping at your heels. So this morning, I pray that God has instilled that precious gift of faith in your own hearts, that the Holy Spirit would continue to water it so that it might grow to fruition. And for those who do not know that gift, that you would come out of the dungeon and put your faith in him who loves you, even when you were unlovable, that you would simply trust him, that you would rely upon him, and that you would depend upon him, the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. Amen.